0: Block Talk
1: Radio hey, The ball is And there you
0: Welcome to Weigh In Sports Talk. Today is Sunday, March 23rd. Tonight, we will be discussing March Madness. Before we get started, here are a few reminders. We would love to hear from you, and here are several ways to weigh in. Call us at 646-716-5564, or join us in the chat room by listening online at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Tarvino, or follow us on Twitter, at Weigh In Sports. Now, here's your host, Brian Tarvin, and co-host, Trey Patterson. Let's weigh in.
2: Thank you, Michelle, and good evening, everyone. And if if you're not pumped up and excited about what you've seen since Thursday, then then something's wrong with you. Then you're you need to check and see if you're still alive because this week and weekend has been such an amazing uh, trip in March Madness. I don't know if we're going to get into it all, and I want to go over tonight the standings on our way in sports bracket, and and just talk in general about what we've seen so far in this tournament. I mean, we we we've seen it all. We've seen some great defensive teams step up and win that were supposed to. We've seen some upsets, and and Trey it just goes to show you when you're picking your bracket, when you're filling it out, always go with teams that can play defense, man. That's the ones I trust. What about you?
0: Well, I think that and it, it, there is something to be said for the star quality of some of these players as well. So, yeah, you know, there's. You know, I don't think we're gonna hit a tournament anymore where there's not uh, enormous surprises and. This year is no different than it's been the last five years. I mean, it's been crazy. Each game has been, um, well, not each game, but there's a lot of games that have been very worthwhile to watch. Just a quick update, real quick. It just went final. Tennessee over Mercer,
2: 83-63. Currently in the second half, UCLA's up forty-six to thirty-nine over SFA. And surprising to some, Trey, but not to me, Baylor right now, early in the first half, up 21-9 to nine on Creighton. It's just been a wild weekend so far of sports. What, what, what was your favorite moment so far of March Madness?
0: Well, ironically enough, I think my favorite moment was the very first game, which was uh, Dayton over Ohio State. And it's just because when you have these big schools like Ohio State who, who won't play a team like Dayton in the regular season – uh, even though they're in state, when they get their shot in a tournament like this where there's no way around it, it's just exciting to see how emotional that win was for the Dayton Flyers and just how much it meant to that program. And that just, I thought that was really cool, Tarvin, because that's one of those things that, you know, you, as an Ohio State fan, you had to know, like, going into that, man, this is, this is going to be something emotional for Dayton well, Trey, you know, you know why Ohio State doesn't—they
2: never play Dayton, an in-state team like that, don't you? It's because they, there's nothing to gain by beating these guys. I mean, if they beat them, nobody cares. If they lose, then it's, it's pandemonium, really. So, and, and you look at Auburn, Alabama—the way they don't play teams in-state in state and football and it goes to basketball. There's nothing to gain by playing these guys. And I, I mean, I don't—I don't think Ohio State's scared. I just think they don't have anything to gain.
0: The department actually takes the other other way. I mean, Dayton's a decent program in basketball, and I think um, you know not only is there the money going in state, but I don't think Ohio State wants to have kids uh, who are talented go to Dayton uh, just because of uh, you know they're they're in a, a program or a state that has several schools that are decent at basketball. Uh, so it's a little different than football to me. But uh, I thought that was a cool way to start off the tournament for sure, and that's, it's certainly gotten better or been just as exciting since. Well, let's start off the tournament, and I just want to talk about, just give
2: an update on my ESPN, Trey, you know how many, I don't know how many millions are in there, but right now I'm in 356,000th place, and I'm in the top 97 percentile on ESPN, and it's the same for CBS almost, but let's go over our way in sports standings real quick before we get started in the breakdown. Our fine co-host, Trey Patterson, leads the way with 40 34 correct picks in this bracket, man, that's... That's amazing so far. And Brian Tarvin, your host, is second with 33, so I'm one behind you, Trey. And then my evil twin, Brian Tarvin, spelled with a Y, is third place, tied for third with four, five, four people, I believe. Paul Ewing is in third, Nathan Walters, Jonathan Miklos. And then we go down the list, Christopher Ricketts in seventh with 31. I mean, it's a pretty competitive bracket so far. What do
0: you think of the 15 uh, entries into our bracket this year? Well, I mean, obviously I think uh, I'm hurting uh, even though I'm in first because I lost the Final Four team. I uh, went crazy with one well, of my picks, and it, you know, it actually worked out. I mean, so far I've picked a lot of upsets, and a lot of them have panned out, but certainly picking an upset into the Final Four isn't that great for me. But uh, I, I think just the parity in basketball leads to crazy brackets and leaves a lot of people uh, getting a lot of being real close in, in their picks. Well, you know, Trey, you you brought it up, Paul's brought it
2: up about my two brackets. Well, I wanted to explain to everybody out there, the one with the Y is my Yahoo, and the way I, I put it on there is for fun, just to track it like that and keep up with everybody else's, but Brian T. is my bracket, and I told you that, Trey, when we first started the tournament, so people don't freak out, but I'm still right there in third place, only one pick behind my second place one, so it's not like I picked random winners all the time it's just a couple of little minor changes but um, Paul Ewing right now with a strong bracket with 32 he still has 171 total possible points left and Trey you have 160 where I have 173 I think I have the highest up all all participants in this right now but tell me about Oklahoma State I know you you got on that bandwagon you saw it, they played Gonzaga the first round, and you had him going all the way out to the Final Four, and I know a lot of people were high
0: on them. What happened to Oklahoma State
2: that, that caused this meltdown?
0: Well, I mean, let's start off with the player, and Marcus Smart put up historic numbers in that game against Gonzaga, and that's what I expected. It's just unfortunate. He got an absolutely zero uh, supporting cast in that game, and he needed something, but... He became the first player in NCAA history, Tarvin, to put up 20, 10, 5, and 5. Uh, so he put up a huge stat line and a reason to be uh, very excited. As a, as there's no way he doesn't go pro after this for any NBA franchises. But I just expected him to blow up like he did, and I expected that, that franchise, the Oklahoma State, to get someone else, you know, a couple other guys in double digits, may have been fine. Uh, but they weren't Carvin, and uh, you know, unfortunately for me, there's a big bubble that burst on that day. Uh, but I think that uh, you know, for Oklahoma State, they just they got caught on a very, very poor shooting night for most of that team. Yeah, Oklahoma State was—it's not a
2: surprise that that they lost the game. But I mean, just a good team, like you said, no supporting cast with it. But let's talk about the Florida Gators right now. Trey looking good. They they played Albany the first game. They look like crap. They played a very physical Pittsburgh team. They took care of business. What are you looking for right now with Florida? And if they're playing UCLA or who are they going to play, UCLA or SF Austin right now? That's who they're going to play the winner of. Are you expecting Florida to to step up and put it into another gear, and do they have to, to put it into another gear to advance to the Elite Eight?
0: Well, I think they are. I mean, you look at UCLA, Tarvin, and uh, they won the Pac-12 uh, tournament, they beat a really good Arizona defensive team. By the way, uh, Arizona plays very good defense. And then look at what they're doing in the tournament. I mean, they've been playing very well, and they're just right now. They're, I mean, of course, they're going to win this game. I mean, they're 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 taking it to Stephen F. Austin. I think uh, a lot of people after that first game were calling him Stephen Effing Austin. But uh, they, uh, <laughs> UCLA is going to be tough for Florida. UCLA is hotter than a $2
2: pistol right now, Trey. And and like you said, the defense, they can play. They're very athletic. The Pac-12 is showing they're a good conference in basketball. They, They showed it before this. But that's going to be a very interesting matchup, Florida and UCLA. But I'm going to tell you right now, a team like Florida that's been to the Elite Eight with the same team for three years in a row, you know they have to take that hump. You know they're going to win this next these next two games and make it to the Final Four trade. You look at the defense they play, um, you look at the three-point shooting, they can score. But one thing that concerns me about Florida, the free-throw shooting, is that something they're going to have to improve in order to, to make a big run? And can they improve it this late in the season, really?
0: Well, I mean, they're going to, you're going to be with the team that that got you here at this point. Um, So Florida, I mean, here's the thing. I think UCLA will give them a a test, but Florida has such an easy bracket overall. I think they're going to be fine until the Final Four. Uh, Then we'll see if they face Michigan State, and that's what I predicted. Uh, Then it's going to be a real showdown. But, um, you know, UCLA will give them some trouble, but uh, I don't think they're going to be tested that much, Tarvin. I mean, UCLA is a hot team. uh, But the thing about the Sweet 16 is is there's a layoff. Um, You know, it's not like the first two rounds where you can sort of carry – that momentum from your tournament. Well, the 316 gives you a little lull, and I think that's going to hurt UCLA. Yeah, it does. And and one thing
2: I like about these lulls, Trey, it gives the teams a chance to regroup, but it lets the best coaches come in and and actually prepare a game plan. So you're really putting in two game plans, and you have to be a a great coach, really, to, to be able to do that. But you give Rick Pitino, Calipari, you give some of these guys time. And uh, Bo Ryan from Wisconsin. It's going to be very interesting. But one thing we haven't talked about, and I, I want to talk about it real quick before we get off the the small games. Duke and Mercer. Mercer just lost to Tennessee tonight. How in the world does Duke lose to a 14 seed like this and lay
0: an egg in their in their backyard, really, Drake? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I mean that, that's the one game that I think. Maybe there were some people who were saying Mercer had a shot, and I heard a few, but I didn't see anything in the, in the entire Mercer team that gave me really questionable against Jabari, Parker, and Duke. I, I, even watching that game, Tarvin, I couldn't figure out what Duke was doing wrong. I mean, just other than not executing and, and missing shots. Um, <laughs> I was shocked at Mercer with the way they actually kind of dominated Duke. Uh, and just, I mean, if you look at Mercer, what they did against Tennessee, you just saw they're not very good basketball team overall. They just had a game. I mean, that's sometimes all you have to do in the tournament. But if you're Duke, I mean, that's a ridiculous loss, the amount of tur- uh, tournament talent they have. Uh, but, you know, who knows, Tarvin, it may help them out in the long run because Jabari Parker said that, you know, he was about making a legacy in college and he wasn't so sure he was going pro. Um, so he's going to have to think about it. And if he were to come back, and right now Duke has the number one recruiting class in the country coming in the next year, um, boy, Duke could be good. Yeah,
2: I'm I worried about Duke. And, they, you know, we talked about it on the show. It was going to be a very interesting matchup with Mercer because they, they have guard play. They can play. But one thing, and I said I don't trust about Duke, is they they rely on the three too much. And it's, if they're cold or if they're not executing, they're in trouble. I don't like their defense, to be honest with you, Trey. And if you have that combination of kind of being soft on defense and you have to rely on your three-point shooting to win, then you're in danger. And Krzyzewski, I mean, what does this do to his legacy, really? Are is, are these teams really afraid of you going forward? Because I, I think
0: that really hurt them
2: in the long run.
0: Well, I mean, it's not that Duke's first loss against a double-digit seed. I mean, you know, all these big programs are losing like that now. I mean, um, So, you know, you, you just got to gotta think, Tarvin, you know, Duke has to – I mean, they really, if they keep Javari Parker, they're going to be really dominant next year. Uh, but if they don't, they're going to be sort of in the same situation they are now, which is kind of in that, you know, how do you build a, a team and, and you're not really sure how long we're going to have a team together. Uh, Tom Ozzo has talked about that, and he's actually talked about not even recruiting those guys who are going to be one and done. And you may see some of these these coaches, Tarvin, go against that just because um, you know it's really hard to win a title with guys who are only one year, um, just because you don't have that gel. So we'll have to see. I mean, maybe Kentucky changes that issue this year if those guys all gel. Maybe that you know, that changes coaches' minds. But um, yeah, you know, Duke is in some trouble if they don't keep Jabari Parker.
2: Well, it shows you. Calipari's trying to show you how it works. But last year, watching them lose to Robert Morris in the NIP first round. And, and this year, Trey, it took them 40 games. But, you know, Kentucky's – talk about that game today. Kentucky's finally starting to play together, and they're not playing selfish. Now there's a team that's dangerous. This is a team I've been preaching on all, about all year, Trey, but they finally decided to show up now the best time. But what do you think about them beating Wichita State? Actually, I I gathered out of this game that Wichita State's a little better than I thought they would be, but Kentucky really stepped up, and this is a huge boost to them in the confidence. Now you have All-Americans playing with confidence and playing together. Trey, they could be a Final Four team.
0: Yeah, in fact, uh, one of my my brackets in the the work, uh, one of the guys has Kentucky in the Final Four, and, and I thought, well, he, he's really uh, he's really thinking that they, those guys are ready to play together, uh, and they may be. Uh, I, you know, I wasn't as impressed um, with all the guys on the back to today. The two that, that just blew me away with how well they played with everybody else on the floor and how well they played together were the Harrison Harrison guys, Tarvin. They just looked in sync with <laughs> not only the other guys on the floor but with each other. And it made, like, Randall so much better on the on the board because they were playing so well on the wings and inside themselves. So I just think that those two guys seem to be the catalyst to me when I watched Kentucky against Wichita State today. Uh, and they seem to be the difference makers. And if those guys continue, and then, of course, Randall is a beast down low. You're right, man, Kentucky could – they have the talent. I mean, we all knew that. They were the preseason number one team in the country. Um, so it's there. It's just a matter of, you know – whether or not Kalapari is a better recruiter than a coach, I mean, that's one of the questions we've had is, you know, can he put these, these guys together? It seems, they seem to be putting together now, Harvin pretty well.
2: I mean, a phenomenal job of coaching and taking it game by game, I think. Even, you know, we talked last Sunday when they lost all one to Florida, they had the ball and the guy slipped down. But still to lose that game and to come one point from the number one team was a huge morale booster and, and heading into March Madness. I mean, they, they take the perfect time, Trey, to start gelling And do you remember on the show when I said, you know, three teams will get in from the SEC, and would you be surprised if all three made it to the Sweet 16, Trey? Well, here we are. We have 7-0 and o SEC this year in the tournament. All three teams in the Sweet 16. Are you shocked? You know, I,
0: I, yeah, know, we, we talked about that before the tournament got going, and, and I was going to be I was shocked then, at least. When I saw the seedings, and I saw how easy Florida has the, the bracket. And I saw, you know, Kentucky against Wichita State. And I was like, well, that, that's not un- unthinkable. And then you looked at Tennessee and you're on like, a Iowa. And then it, maybe, they're probably going to get past Duke. And then when Duke loses, you're like, okay, this is going to happen. Because I didn't think there was any way Tennessee loses to Wichita, or excuse me, to uh, Mercer. So, you know, far-fetched <laughs> for me in the early on, Tarvin, to be honest. But once I saw saw the way things, the dominoes were playing. I was uh, for yep. sure on board with it happening. I mean, because it looked like their road was paved pretty well.
2: Yeah, and and it, it does matter who you play. And Tennessee played Iowa, the playing game, which was a tough game. I'll give them credit, but then they played a six-seeded UMass. And Trey, I'm not buying that UMass is a six seed. Honestly, I'm not buying that. No. Like, you know, <laughs> they, they, they were. I'm just, just not. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And then Mercer. You know, they all the emotion they put into that game against Duke to rebound and now play Tennessee. So you're right. The road hasn't been tough, but you have to give Kentucky credit, too. I mean, they they beat a, a decent Kansas State team. They could have been an 11 seed, not a 9, but and then they turned around and beat an undefeated Wichita State team that's very good. They're well coached. But I'm just excited to see that next round of Louisville-Kentucky. There's going to be some great games, and and there's we haven't talked about the Big Ten yet, and that's where I want to go now. I don't know if you watched the Wisconsin-Oregon game last night. Were you more impressed with Wisconsin or Oregon? Because I came away after watching that game, and that Oregon Ducks team could play some basketball there.
0: Yeah, I mean, Oregon played very well, and it really showed resiliency. Because Oregon jumped all over them uh, early on. And, w- and I thought, well, Wisconsin, this is that same Wisconsin of old. They can't score. They're going to be shut down. And what happened? They started scoring, Parvin. And when they started scoring, man. They was an on flight coming on. Because so, Oregon was playing very good basketball. Uh, but it shows you this Wisconsin team is different than the other Wisconsin teams that scored 20 points yep. in one game.
1: <laughs>
0: there
2: are so much. They, I have Wisconsin in the final four, in the finals, actually. That's how much confidence I have in the conference and this team. And And you want to talk about scoring. How are you going to beat Michigan, Trey, when they're hitting every three they shoot? Texas was, I'm surprised, they kept it as close as they did last night. Uh, They only lost by, what, 14 points to Michigan. It seemed like every time Michigan would shoot a three, they would hit it. So what is it going to take for somebody to beat Michigan? We have a Tennessee-Michigan matchup coming, which is interesting. You have a very good defensive team in Tennessee that can extend that defense out and, and kind of slow down the pace for Michigan. So could they be in trouble against Tennessee?
0: Well, I mean, could they? I mean, Tennessee's playing pretty well. It's hard to say how well, just because they haven't faced an elite team yet. Um, unlike now, you're right. I give Kentucky a lot of credit, credit by the way, in our previous conversation. They faced real competition in Kansas State and Wichita State. Now, Tennessee, on the other hand, they're gonna they can get hot. That's the thing about them. They have guard play. They can get hot. Uh, but I, Michigan, I mean, you saw that Texas game early, and Texas looked like they were gonna take control. And man, did Michigan just has so many guys who can put the ball down, you know, and just, and just dribble with it and score on their own. And I think that's important, Tarvin. They have guys who can make their own shots. Yeah. That, that, I mean, and, 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 you know, they're hungry.
2: You know, one thing about Michigan, they're hungry. They made the championship game last year and they lost to Louisville. And, and you know, I think they're hungry from that. I think that benefits them a little bit. But they're very well coached as well. And when you play competition like they played all season long, it's going to benefit them because I think they should beat Tennessee. I think they will. And that's going to set up a great matchup between either Kentucky or Louisville. But let's look at Michigan State right quick. I mean, I'm not very impressed so far in this tournament. I mean, they're the hot pick right now for everybody going into the brackets with so the way they won the Big Ten. They beat Delaware, they didn't. I mean, they looked okay. They won by fifteen. And last night against Harvard, Trey, I wasn't that impressed. So now they get a, a little, you know, a little break. But now they're going to probably have to play a Virginia team that I think could frustrate them with the way they play defense and the way they grind it out.
0: Actually, you know, I think Harvard was good preparation, if that makes sense, to Virginia because Harvard is one of those fundamental type of teams that really frustrate you by their their gimmicks on, you know, running that Princeton style offense that you know the cut. And also playing really tough defense. I think Virginia, while not that much similar offensively, are somewhat similar. Uh, and I think Michigan State, honestly, they've had different big guys score in both games. So I think that and just getting keeping healthy, and the layover is going to help them a lot, Tarvin, because they're a team. Just you're right. I mean, they got. A, I think they got complacent against Harvard. They got a big early, and then they really got complacent in the second half. Harvard just kept chipping away. So if anything, I think gives Izzo a chance to show them, hey, guys, you can't do this against these teams, even the teams that you may not think are elite. They will beat you. And I, and
2: I honestly think Michigan State has the easier road. I mean, Virginia is a very good team, but if you look at the ACC, how they performed in the tournament, you, you wonder how good is Virginia, which I think Virginia is a very good team, but you do have to question that and then just say they get past that, they have to play the Iowa State or UConn winner. So I think Michigan State to the final four, tray is probably more probable than anyone else. And, and that's just my opinion right now, the way they match it up. But I like Michigan State and what they're doing right now. And you're right, Izzo, do you think Izzo's a, a top three coach? I mean, if you look at the bracket who's remaining, where do you rank Tom Izzo in coaching in that preparation until Thursday? I mean, that's a long time. Yeah, I mean, you know, like
0: Izzo right now. Yeah, right now for sure. Uh, I'm really impressed with what Iowa State did by the way, when, you know, without their big scorer um, just getting hurt last round and getting past North Carolina. Who actually that was a really great finish by the way, um, in that last you know last second you know play. And so, you know, Iowa State's gonna be very tough even if Michigan State gets past. Um, even if was you know, if they get past uh, Virginia, you could be looking at an Iowa State and the UConn team that are very, right now, playing tough.
1: And say hi to
0: Cuervo in the chat room
2: out there. He says Michigan State will make the Final Four. I do agree, Cuervo. So, uh, man, this this is Iowa State. You know, they were favored by one and a half points. Right? I was sitting there scratching my head, like one and a half. All they have to do is win by two. Well, that's what they did. They hit that last shot. And and they won by two. I like the way the officials got together, made the call. But overall, so far in this tournament, what do you think about the officiating that you've watched so far?
0: Well, I mean, you and I talked about this. One of the things that uh, I was least impressed with during the which wichita State game was just the ineffective and just, I mean, just the officiating was all over the place. They I mean, missed an elbow. They missed all kinds of calls on both ways. I mean, the fouls were completely inconsistent. Yeah, some guys would go to the rim and get hammered, and other times it looked oh, like they weren't even touched and they were called. So, you know, I, I, and it's not just that game. I just I've been very just. I mean, you watch these games and you get frustrated by the officiating, and I shouldn't be getting frustrated at all. I shouldn't even be thinking about the officiating.
2: Well, you know, the best officials are you never know they're there. But you're right; it's just not a, not consistent, really. And I, I put a post on the wall earlier or last night about I've seen ten plus one and one plays really and I've about count them. Maybe I exaggerate just a little bit, but these guys weren't even touched when they when they're blowing the whistle and you go back and look at the replay, no contact, but you see a guy get his arm knocked off and no no whistle. So yeah, I just wonder sometimes if these officials get into the game. They are human, Trey. They kinda of, they go they flow with the momentum and I think they're the main reason the momentum gets swung a lot. So I just wanted to ask you that question right there, but But, you know, I wasn't very sold on Villanova in this tournament. You know, people were, before the conference tournament, Villanova was a possible one seed, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this team's not good. Well, guess what, Trey? They get beat by UConn in the second round or third round, technically. Thoughts on Villanova right here, and you think the committee will quit showing these guys so much love every year after watching them choke again?
0: Yeah, you, you, yeah I, I said two teams don't bet on in the NCAA tournament for the NCAA tournament, and it was Villanova and New Mexico. And, you know, they did exactly what well. I had Villanova losing in that round to UConn, and I had New Mexico losing in the first round. Both of them were favored going in. I, just, I, I, don't, I don't believe in those teams. I don't know if it's coaching, Carvin, but, I mean, maybe it's just the fact that I got once bit twice shy. But I, you're right, man. I, I had no confidence in Villanova whatsoever. Even against you know a UConn team, who's, who's, I mean, you're, this is not a Jim Calhoun coached UConn team. I mean, this is Kevin Ollie. This is a new, this is a new regime at UConn. So they're still figuring out their way and their style in the tournament. Uh, so I, I had more confidence in that than I did in this Villanova team. Yeah, Villanova was that team.
2: I was scratching my head. And, You know, Louisville was a four seed. I can, I guess, I can live with it. And and I want to talk about the Louisville-St. Louis game. I don't know if you got to watch that, but St. Louis gave Louisville all they wanted really defensively. Louisville finally pulled away. But are are you buying Louisville as a four seed, or are are you thinking they should have been better? Because after watching them play and actually looking into it more, I think they're almost seeded correctly, Trey. A three seed maybe. I mean, they lost to Memphis twice. And, and and they don't have that score like they used to have last year. I mean, they have the three-point shot. What's his name? Um, the three-point shooter. I'm trying to think of his name. I can't think of it right now. And the point guard. But they really don't have anything else to go to. So, that concerns me about Louisville. maybe that's what the committee was looking at when
0: they seated. Them. Yeah, I mean, you're right, Tarvin. I, I, you know, Louisville watching them play, especially in St. Louis, too. Yeah, they're good defensively. Uh, but I didn't think they should have um, scored as easily as they did at times against Louisville. So that was one of the question marks I had during that game. Like this is the Saint Louis team that really should have been should have lost in NC State at NC State and not missed 17 strike free throws. But uh, so that that was like okay that that's a little interesting to watch that the way that game uh, played out because I was agreeing with you. I was like man maybe I was wrong on Louisville being strong. I mean I don't have been in the Final Four and I'm kind of glad about that.
2: Yeah, me too. And just an
0: update, there's a team that, that
2: I really didn't have much confidence in as the three seed, and that's Creighton. Right now, right almost 40 seconds until half, 38-20 to 20 to Baylor. And Baylor was that team I've been singing their praises, how they can play probably the best team in the Big 12, honestly, if you think about it. They, they lost to Iowa State late in the Big 12 championship game, but I like them. I like the way they play, and they are blowing Creighton out. I think Creighton Trey was a little overseated, um, too much, too much, I guess credit given to one player really. Um, the, McDermott, McDermott uh, he shoots well in this team. He has three points tonight, and well, when you rely on one player in a tournament and you don't play team ball, that's when you run into trouble. That's why Creighton. I have them losing to Baylor, and Trey so far is looking good. Yeah, and we yeah.
0: talked about this tonight off off air. Baylor is just. And there was something about them, and you watch them in the Big 12 tournament out, in, and they, all, they lost to a really good Iowa State team. And this Big 12, you know, it's been kind of interesting. You, you know, you some of the teams that weren't supposed to be all that good in the Big 12. You watch how tough Texas played, and then now you see Baylor blowing out a Creighton team, which was pretty solid. I mean, yeah, they had their they basically the offense to one person, but so did a lot of other teams, uh, and didn't win what Creighton did in the Big East. So. Yeah, you know, I, I look at this Baylor team, and I think they're Tarvin, man. They they can be looking yep. to run right now. I mean, you look at the bracket, the way it plays out for Baylor, and I'm like, whoa, Tarvin, because here's the thing. I mean, Wisconsin is a good. We know we talked about a good team, that's scoring, but this Baylor team scores like nobody's business right now. They are just on fire. Yeah, they score fast. You can be up there,
2: you know, the and blink your eye, and you're down four. They're up 40-20 to 20 at halftime, and I just don't think Creighton has what it takes to come back and beat Baylor because you have to stop Baylor, and I don't know if they can do that. But you're right. Baylor, let's look ahead just a little bit, just in case they do get by. They play a very tough Wisconsin team. That would probably be one of the best games of, of the whole bracket. And if they could get past that, you know, Arizona, you know, or San Diego State or someone, Baylor could be a Final Four, they're a six seed, Trey. Don't sleep on them. And both, I mean, we 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 both liked them throughout the Big Twelve tournament. I just like the way they play. I have more confidence in them than I do do anyone in the Big Twelve. Even Kansas. I had Kansas losing to Syracuse in the Sweet Sixteen. I didn't make it, Trey, but Kansas. I know they lost a player, but is there any excuse to lose to a ten seed when you're the number two? You still have the best player in the country on your team. Is it an excuse that you lost
0: one player is the reason you lost to Stanford? Well, I mean, obviously I mean, it's not an excuse. It's a strong reason. I mean, the way Stanford is built, you knew they were going to have a lot of trouble. Uh, I, thought, I thought actually Ohio State, if they haven't actually got past Dayton, would give them a hard time too, just based on the players each team has. Um, you know, you look at had they got past Stanford, I don't think Dayton would have been as much of an issue for them. But I do think that, you know, you know Wiggins had a, had a really cold game. His tournament wasn't very good. And you got to wonder if Wiggins is going to go pro and leave like this. Yeah, I mean, Wiggins is gone,
2: guys. I mean, there, there's no way he's hanging around. He's going to be one of the top people picked. And, and you know, Arizona plays tonight. They play Gonzaga. And everybody said this is not the Gonzaga of old. But to me – I don't trust Arizona. And I, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me tonight if they, they lose to this eight seeded team. I, I just have no faith in them really. I just don't think they can score enough points. Yes, they play defense, but with all the talent they have, I'm just not sold on them. Out of all the teams left to higher seeds, you know, I like Florida. Um, I think they're a very good number one seed and. That's the one team I have a lot of confidence in right now, of the ones. I just I just don't find any love with Arizona, really. I just don't find love. And if, let's go to the Oklahoma game, Trey, and if you can come on, that's fine. You may be busy right now. You have a little noise in the background you're taking care of. But Oklahoma, another Big 12 team that disappointed. I mean, they played North Dakota State, I believe that's their name, with a 12 seed, and they lost that game. And it's just... The committee put them as a five seed, and I I didn't agree with that. I I didn't think they deserved a seeding like that. I thought Kentucky deserved a five seed over Oklahoma. But here it is again, the the Oklahoma Sooners choking. And, Trey, I look at it right now, and I think the SEC has three Sweet 16. The Pac-12 is probably going to have three. Um, The Big 12 is going to have two, I believe, with Iowa State. And if Baylor wins this one, that will be two. But the ACC – if Virginia wins the night trade, we'll have one. What are your thoughts on the ACC and the way they performed
0: this year so far? Well, I mean, they were um, a conference with a lot of decent teams, Harvin, but not a lot of top teams that really could make a run. I mean, Duke had um, the best shot, I thought. And maybe I'm wrong because Virginia – uh, to make it obviously the furthest of any ACC team, but it looked like Duke had the player and, and the team around it to make a conference-type run or a tourney run. Um, but the other teams, I mean, this didn't have that. This didn't seem to have that mojo. Uh, I thought Pitt was seated pretty uh, tough uh, for them to make a run. They could have made a run if they'd been seated someplace else. Um, but you know, you live with what you got, and the ACC is going to probably get only one team, or will get only one team in the ACC tournament, or assuming the tournament the sweet sixteen. Um and that's just the way it is. Yeah, Syracuse is, is one of those teams that you know, they started off the
2: best team in the nation where well, they win like twenty something in a row. And they they got very cold very fast and and they couldn't pull it together. And most of the times you look back in history, a team like that, that that goes into the tournament really they just don't make it too far and, and you look at Syracuse, very disappointing. They they hurt my bracket. I had a In the Elite Eight, so far that's the only Elite Eight team I've lost. Hopefully that'll be the last one, but I mean it's just very disappointing to see them go down like that. Dayton's a good little basketball team, but there's no excuse for them to lose in the second or third round to an 11 seed team. Uh, It's just very disappointing because if they'd have just made it past that, I think they would have beaten Stanford, and that'd have made my bracket look a whole lot better. But man, this tournament has been just Trey, do you remember one better? I mean, I'm looking at watching the games, and it's not because my bracket's doing well. It's just because of the excitement in all of these games. But I don't know if you saw the game last night with the four-point play. They're up, or was it Friday night, Trey? Which team was that that was up four, and they fouled the three-point shooter? He hit it, hit the free throw, went in overtime, and they lost. Who was that? Oh, I, I know
0: what you're talking about, but I can't remember.
2: I mean, do you blame? I think it was VCU and SF Austin, I believe. As a coach, do you not prepare for that? Really, as a coach, when you're up by four, why why are you fouling a three point shooter?
0: Well, I mean that was a terrible play, but you know, just not having your head in the game, and things that boils down to. Well, have we
2: talked about the hiring of Bruce Pearl to Auburn yet? um you know i don't know if we have well anything on the tournament that you want to talk about before we move on
0: no we can move on
2: all right well the tournament to wednesday night we'll be previewing uh the sweet 16 matchups it's a little easier to dive into these games since it's limited uh to eight games this weekend and next sunday night we will have our final four set and that's that's the beauty of this. Hopefully I'll have them all, but, but you never know. But we talked about Bruce Pearl to Auburn, actually. We talked about the possibilities on our last show. All of a sudden Auburn comes out, and they get Bruce Pearl, Trey. And I know he had a NCAA violation. You know, he lied to the NCAA about a barbecue. But as an Auburn fan, and your team sucks so long and so bad, that was a desperation move, and they had to make it. I think it was a great hire by then, and I think it's necessary to hire a great coach to win. And I think Auburn woke up, and I think it was a home run, trade. I just want your thoughts on that.
0: But, you know, and, and Pearl, he, he's, he's a great coach, let's be honest. Um, Bruce Pearl is a guy who, I think, what, second pass was a 300 wins or something like that. But he's had a lot of integrity issues, and it's not just you, you make it out to be a cookout thing, and I know that's because he's going to Auburn now. Uh, prior to that, he made it out to be a lot more, uh, and it really was. But also, this guy his first coaching job ever, he, was in, he got a recruiting violation uh, back when he was at, at I think, Iowa as assistant coach. I mean, so this is a guy who is never going to be very ethical when it comes down to recruiting or the way he runs a basketball program. That's the problem I've had with Bruce Pearl. Um, there's no issues with what he does on the basketball court um, at all, um, but you know, he also has some you know other integrity where he doesn't you know, he knows he does something wrong and he hides it. So you know Auburn's gonna have to keep him on a short leash, I think, and get a watch out for him because he will trade W's uh, for later. Sessions. But I mean, really, do they have
2: to watch him? I mean, without him, you're not even sniffing a tournament anyway. I mean, so if you do get in trouble with something, does it really matter? You're not going anywhere anyway.
0: So, well, yeah, it matters. <laughs> hey, are you just saying breaks because you, cause you don't care because you want to win? I'm just, that's, pretty, uh, that's pretty bad. <laughs> message to send. Um, I mean, here's the That's, thing. Exactly, here's that's a,
2: exactly what I'm saying.
0: <laughs> no, uh, you better not be saying that. I'm joking. You know I'm not,
2: but I mean I'm talking about lying about a barbecue, and I, and I may be wrong, Trey, but I don't know of anything else that he did really. I don't I don't know what he did besides that. They they landed Tennessee in trouble and got him fired. But one thing I like about it is that he came out and admitted where he was wrong. He hurt a lot of people and he owned it. You know he he was trying to protect the players too. It wasn't just to protect him. He didn't want to get anyone in trouble. And we're talking about a barbecue here, Trey. We're not talking about payment of players.
0: Well, we're talking about recruiting. I mean, we're talking about recruiting violations. And, and what's worse about it, Tarvin, is it, it would have <laughs> been a minor thing. It would have been. Uh, but when the NCAA investigators, one, he didn't self-report it. I mean, that's the one thing. If it's a minor thing, you self-report. Uh, you dock yourself some some minor stuff and you move on. Um, but he knew he did something wrong, and he wanted to do something wrong because he wanted Aaron Kraft. And we know how great of a player Aaron Kraft became at at Ohio State. Uh, So he he knew he was doing something wrong, and so instead of self-reporting it, he lies about it when the NCAA comes around, uh, which takes it into a a major affair because, I mean, a lot of times the NCAA wants you to just self-report it and they slap you on the wrist. So, I mean, that's a big integrity violation from there. I mean, you have a coach who knows he did something wrong, who covered it up and then lied about it once it came to life. And I know it doesn't sound like much, Trey,
2: but, you know, the barbecue and everything, but when he came to Auburn, he spent $2,700, I think it was around that amount. I could be off a few hundred on pizza for the students. And it, you know, I mean, I don't see that happen much, and maybe it's okay, but I did scratch my head about that. And am, I, am I overanalyzing that? Did you get in trouble for... You know, a barbecue and, and we you know, a barbecue, but you buy pizza for students. Could that be a violation? Or am I
0: overthinking there? Well, who knows with the NCA and minor violations that, that that might be a self reporting violation. Um but again, it would be super minor as long as they don't lie about it. But hey, if Bruce Pearl was <laughs> he's made a $2.10 two million dollar uh, contract with a with a hundred thousand dollar annual escalator, so he can buy a lot of pizza. You know, if if they ask him what was on that
2: pizza and he doesn't describe in detail, what if it's pepperoni and sausage and he only said pepperoni, would that be a violation?
0: Well, I think the the big thing, it won't be a violation because they're actually students at Auburn. They're not recruits, but uh, he, likes, he likes to do that with the recruits, Tarvin. Uh, it's, it's not, yeah. not in the student population.
2: Okay, well, let's slide over to the NBA real quick. And, you know, I know a lot of people on this show support the Miami Heat. And I don't know about these guys. They get thumped by the Pelicans by 10 points. And what have they lost, like 7 out of 11, something like that? Are you worried about the Miami Heat right now? These guys seem like they have a lot of excuses going on right now. LeBron James is frustrated. You can just tell. Is it time to to maybe kind of hit a panic button in Miami? I know they're only three games out, but 7 out of 11, that's – that's crazy right now if
1: you're Miami. Well, I mean, if, if Indiana was
0: playing a lights out right now, maybe. Uh, I think there are some people who might get crazy and say that, you know, Brooklyn's playing really well and they're the best second half team in the East. And they're, they're just crazy. But um, I don't make a whole lot of it, Tarvin, because the East is so weak. They have a long time. Remember the playoffs, is like there's like seven months of playoffs. So they have a long time to get their stuff together. Uh, is there a problem now? There absolutely is a problem now, uh, but I think they'll figure it out by the time that they get to the Western or, the, excuse me, the Eastern Co- Conference Championship game against uh, against the uh, the Pacers. Yeah, you know they're struggling, but is there really any chance that these guys don't make the Eastern Conference Championship? I, I just don't see it. I mean, like I <laughs> said, maybe Brooklyn. I mean, if you argue that they're you know hot and that they can maybe get high, I I, I don't know. Um, but I just can't see it. They're, they're, it's going to be, it's going to be finals. Eastern Conference Finals with the Pacers. And the Heat.
2: Well, one one thing that, that that became news while we've been out a week, really, Phil Jackson officially to the Knicks, and a lot of people are thinking now that these Knicks are going to be playoff teams. But let's just remember, Trey, Phil Jackson is not the coach of this team. So how is he going to do being in a in a front office job, really, and not being on the court. Do you think he can possibly do that?
0: Well, I hear from his comment, I think that he is sort of in a competition with Pat Riley in this regard. He saw what Pat Riley did. Pat Riley went from being a coach who was very successful in winning NBA championship to uh, basically going to the front office and taking Miami the Miami Heat. Remember, uh, Pat Riley went to the front office, and they were pretty, I mean, Miami was a terrible franchise, and Pat Riley came to town and then all of a sudden, you know, they, they win a championship with with Dwayne Wade, uh, and then, you know, they win two more. And so, you know, Pat Riley has shown that a guy like Phil Jackson or a guy who's a really great basketball coach can run a front office. So whether he's going to medal, I think he's absolutely going to medal, Tarvin. and I mean, he's going to have to have a head coach who can push around, just like Miami has now. Yeah, I'm, I'm not big on this move, really. I
2: mean, I'm, I don't think it's going to make a huge difference, but I don't know. Carmelo Anthony is he enough really in New York to to actually do something it seems like he's turning over a new leaf starting to play better but do you think Phil Jackson's going to bring some more talent in there for him because if you look at New York it, it's just embarrassing what you see out of the Knicks they're in the east we're not they're not in the west they're in the east and they're not even in the playoffs right now they're at ninth place and how long is it going to take Phil to, to bring some players in here and be competitive again? Because this
0: team sucks, in my honest opinion. Well, I mean they're not good. I mean and
1: they they
0: only have Carmelo Anthony. The rest of this team is really, I mean almost bench type performers. So Tarvin, I think you know Phil Jackson is going to have a me, is going to have a lot of work to do.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's
0: not
2: as easy as people think. I mean, one thing about it is he he doesn't have the experience, but he knows how to win. And if you're the Lakers right now, are you really kicking yourself, Trey? Because you could have had this guy, but even with Phil Jackson this year, I don't think the Lakers would be much better without Kobe anyway, do you?
0: Well, I think with Phil Jackson and some sort of role with the Lakers, they get Dwight Howard um, because I think Phil Jackson sort of, you know, his triangle offense and whether or not he tells the coach to run an offense, I think he probably does, um, but what, whether or not he institutes certain changes, Dwight Howard's going to come back because Phil Jackson knows how to manage personalities, I and mean, that's the what he does. I mean, every place that he's gone, he's managed to um, manage more than one huge personality. I mean, Shaquille O'Neal and Toby Bryant weren't exactly so pathetic during their time there, and in fact, it was a big moment of having – um you know Kobe Bryant sort of take over the reins from Shaq because shaq wasn't didn't think he was done uh being the main man, so that's something that Phil Jackson, if anybody else could have done, was sort of tell kobe hey it's it's Fort Howard's time to be the man. it's time for you to be um the man too, so to speak well, speaking of kobe bryant i'm I'm not very happy with him and
2: and I think he is the Lakers issue really. I think if you're not playing and you're injured, you shouldn't be out in the media talking about really getting your coach fired, trying to to try to find a new coach to come in. I think if you're on the bench and you're hurt, you should be away. You should be speaking about that. But, Trey, I, I used to like Kobe. And the more I'm, I, I look at him, the more I see him, the older he gets, the, the worse he gets, man. I mean, I, but would the Lakers be beneficial not signing Kobe to that big contract and bringing somebody else in? Because I think he's the problem right now for the Lakers.
0: I think he needs to be out of sight, out of mind, really. Well, we know he was the problem with getting Dwight Howard, and you know, you you might say that you know, Dwight Howard isn't you know isn't all of that, and he certainly is a cancer at times. But I mean, Houston looks like a pretty darn good basketball team, but they have you know James Harden to go along with him, so. I mean, I think that Howard it needed somebody to go with him, I and mean, Howard's not a guy who went on his own, uh, but Howard's a guy who can attract someone else there. I mean, that's the big thing, that, you know,
1: you have Harden
0: and Howard there now in Houston, so, you know, now the Lakers are going to try to basically to bring in someone like Kevin Love or Carmelo. I mean, they're shooting for basically two years from now.
2: Okay. I'm just I'm just amazed at how Kobe's acting still. You think with with age comes maturity you know i'm a lot more laid back than i was when i was in my 20s you know i'm 37 now and i'm a lot more laid back i think toby would be more respectful and more mature he he, he's acting like johnny manziel out there trey really i mean he's not that he's not that important and that's what i want toby to if he's listening out there right now he's hold on my dog's barking i apologize anybody listening um I just, I'm really turned off by Kobe Bryant, Trey. And, you know, I've always been a Kobe fan. And if I'm saying this, I'm really upset with him. But uh, I think it's time to let him go and to start rebuilding in L.A. And you're last right now in the West. Stay last. So if you're the Lakers, Trey, do you just tank the rest of the season? That's exactly what I do.
0: Well, I don't think they have a choice but to tank. It's not as if they have the players not to tank. Um, I mean, they just don't have – they don't have the players. I mean, this is a, this is not the East, Harvin, where they could win four or five in a row, depending on who they're playing. I mean, this is the West, and, and they are the worst team in the West. There's no doubt about it. There's teams uh, who aren't making the playoffs right now who would be like the three seed in the East. So, just because they're facing pretty stiff competition on I mean, night in, night out, I mean, they're gonna they're gonna lose a lot of games.
1: Yeah,
2: I agree. Hey, what's the receiver? Um, Golden, Golden Tate for Seattle. He went to Detroit, correct, moving on to the NFL? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Did, did you hear him talking about his contract, what what Seattle offered him to stay? And uh, I don't know if you got to hear how he was dropping and complaining because he deserved that contract because everyone in the locker room liked him, Trey. He did a lot in the community, you know, and he played most of the games he wasn't injured. But what do you think of them – not paying Golden Tate what he thought he was worth. I just wanted to run that by you
0: real quick before I forgot about it. I had it on my notes. Well, I mean, Golden Tate is not a not a stud receiver, so I mean, I would never pay for him either.
2: Well, the funny thing is, in all of his arguments and everything about why he deserved that money, he never once mentioned this. And I heard Collinkin about it the other day. You know, it's about you, – you pay players millions of dollars for what they produce on the field. 900 yards is not going to get you $30 million, Trey. And, and not, nowhere in his excuses he was making out that he did this, this, and this. It was all about people like me in the locker room and I was out in the community. Really? This guy thinks that highly of himself that he's worth $30 million because he goes out and does a little community service. Yeah, I, I think
0: it's based on yards and touchdowns, but I'm not real Sure.
2: Yeah, he had 900 of them by the way, and that's not touchdown. And uh staying in the NFL, did you see Roddy White's bet on Twitter? You you think these professional athletes would quit using Twitter making bets that they don't want to back up. Roddy White had this Atlanta Hawks or Falcons fan and said I'll I'll give you 50 yard seed, 50 yard line season tickets to all Falcons games if Mercer beat Duke. Well, guess what, Trey, Mercer beat Duke and now Roddy White's backing out of it. And he said it's not a legal bet because NFL players can't gamble anyway, and, and he wasn't serious. Any, any advice for Roddy White, any athlete out there right now
0: making bets on Twitter? Yeah, shut your mouth. I mean, come on, guys. I mean, you just you just can't go about your business doing this where you're challenging fans these prop bets, and then you know going on. <laughs> I'm not serious. So just shut your mouth, man. Don't 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 run it. I don't know if you remember Paul
2: Feinbaum back in the an Auburn fan called his show trade before the, it was during the season. They were after the LSU game and, and he was just, what if Auburn did this? What if Auburn did that? And Paul Feinbaum told him, if Auburn makes the national championship game, I'll fly you to Pasadena with me to watch the game. Well, you know, Paul was trying to get out of that bet until the guy started pushing it on Facebook and Twitter and everyone coming against ESPN. But don't make a bet out there unless you're going to, back it up and roddy white's main excuse was trey is i'm not going to honor a bet that someone made that didn't have anything to lose well he didn't make the bet you did
0: so i think roddy white was the guy. 50 yard line tickets what about you i think so i mean pay up man i'm saying but come on man. i think you and i you know, both come from that if you're going to make a bet and you're going to put your, your name out there then you honor it
2: i mean if i told you trey hey, if Creighton wins it all, I'll give you a billion dollars. Well, you know I can't give you a billion dollars because I don't have it, but Roddy White can actually give tickets away. He? he can get 50-yard line seats, and I think he should honor it. I mean, I just hate the, his attitude after he lost that bet. That's what I hate, his little cocky attitude, not honoring a bet.
1: These yeah. athletes
2: need to sh- shut their mouth, get off Twitter, and just play ball. It's just it's hilarious. If you make a bet with me, I would – probably take it to court to win it just to prove a point. But the guy's a Falcons fan. He didn't want to cause any kind of disturbance, so he just told Roddy he didn't he didn't care if he, he did it or not. So I just wanted to throw that out there to you and see what you thought about it. But Mark Cuban's in the media talking about the NFL, trade, and I, I want your opinion on this. And he said the NFL, everyone's going to get fed up with the greed of the NFL and they're going to stop watching. Do you think Mark Cuban – a little bit of sour grapes right now Because of the NFL ratings I mean the, the ratings are so good for the NFL The NBA looks like a joke But he's saying everybody's going to stop Watching the NFL within 10 years What do you think? Um,
0: um, I, I don't see that happening <laughs> I just don't
2: well, I, well, I'll tell you this One thing I wish they would do with the NFL trade is cut out the Thursday night game What are your thoughts on the Thursday night game? Yeah
0: I know a lot of people, you know, especially players who are against the Thursday night games, they don't bother me at all. I mean, I kind of like it. But, um, yeah, you know, that, that's, just, that's just different for me. Well, I'll give a little quick update
2: right now coming out of the second half. Creighton's starting to heat up, but guess what? Baylor's not missing any shots. Baylor up 47-26 with over 16 minutes left to play. Virginia up 19-16 to early halfway through the first half against Memphis. That's a low-scoring game, Trey. I thought Virginia would be taking care of business. And UCLA will be advancing to the Sweet 16 with a 17-point win over Stephen F. Austin. So starting to come together, the Sweet 16. Any chance Creighton can come back down 21 right now, Trey, and, and win this game against Baylor?
0: No, I don't I don't think so. I think Baylor is going to run away with this.
2: Man, what a tournament, man. What a tournament.
0: Anything in the NFL you want to talk about? No, this just I'm um, putting the numbers in my head here, Tarvin, so that with, with UCLA and that's two Pac-12, right, three SEC, there's two from the Atlantic 10, one from the Mountain West, one from the Big 12, or is it two from the Big 12 right now.
2: Well, if, if Baylor wins tonight, it'll be Iowa State and Baylor, too.
0: And right, but right now there's only one. There's three from the Big 10. I'm missing some school. Who am I missing? Because right now there's 13 in to the Sweet 16. Who am I missing? There's two Pac-12 three SEC, two Atlantic 10, one Mountain West, one Big 12, and three Big 10. I'm missing somebody. Mm. What about Louisville? Did you say their conference? They're in the, uh, the Atlantic, uh, Atlantic 10. Okay. I'm
2: just looking,
0: UConn. I'm KFC, sorry, they're, they're in the AAC, Louisville. not Atlantic 10. They're in the AAC, and there's two in the AAC.
1: And...
0: I, don't, I don't think you're missing anybody, honestly.
2: I'm looking at it. We're probably going to see Arizona, San Diego State, Baylor, Wisconsin, Kentucky, Louisville, Tennessee, Michigan, Yukon, Iowa State, Michigan State, probably Virginia, Stanford, Dayton. What's
0: Dayton? In? Just, Dayton's in the uh the Atlantic ten.
1: That's yeah. the one last 10 right
0: now. The math's what not in Aalifornia. I can't figure it out, so am not worried. But, I mean,
2: the big surprise here, guys, the SEC hmm. with three teams in the Sweet 16, I, I, can't, I can't say I predicted it, but, you know, I thought about it. I, th- I thought it was a good reality, especially after seeing the brackets and everything. I, I didn't know Duke was going to lose. I wouldn't have picked Tennessee to beat Duke. But, you know, to make it this far is pretty amazing. And, Trey, I'm updating the rankings right now, the standings, just to see – By by some miracle, I overtook you for first place. So hold on. My computer is refreshing. Yes, Brian Tarvin is ahead, or he's tied with Trey right now. I've got a score of 43. You have 42, but we both have 34, correct? I have 173. Possible best score, you have 158. I'm trying to see all this. That's correct, 51 to 48. Jonathan Miklos is third place. He's tied with Nathan Walters and Paul Ewing, so Paul's getting a little love here, Trey.
0: Yeah, I mean, his uh, bracket's moving, moving on
2: up. Yeah. yeah, and Cuervo, you know, he, he talks about his bracket. He's in a chat room. But, but you know something about Cuervo? I can't really take what he says true because he didn't put a bracket in with we in sports. I'm looking Sonny Clark right now in 13th place. He has 33 correct. Not too bad. Steven Nall, 35, he's in 12th place. Jimmy Abrams, one of our listeners, he's in 10th place. Chris Smelly's in 10th place. Jason Minson in 9th. And Brian with a Y is in 8th place. Wally Judas 6th. Christopher Ricket 6th. And we've just named the other ones. But give me your prediction, Trey. Who's going to win this bracket by looking at it now out of all of us?
0: Yeah, I don't know. There's, there's still a lot of people of different champions, and I think that's going to be the key: is who, who who loses the champion first.
2: That's right. Well, I don't know. It just snuck up on us, Trey, in Major League Baseball. That all of a sudden the Dodgers are two and O, the Diamondbacks are 0 and two. But any news? Why Puig left the game the other night and didn't return? The coach didn't even know he left. Yeah, I don't,
0: I, I have enough hear anything out about that one.
2: Yeah, he got mad at what it was. He struck out and he left. Him and Adrian Gonzalez had a had a big feud really, you know. Gonzalez is trying to make him act right, but Puig's about twenty five pounds heavier than he was last year, Trey. I mean i I mean the kid with the talent he has, the raw talent. You know how high I've been on Puig, but are you worried about him how long he's gonna last in major league baseball? Because if he doesn't change his attitude uh, he's not going to be really liked anymore.
0: Yeah, I, I think he yeah, – I'm not sure he's going to have a great year this year. We'll have to see. I think a sophomore slump might be in uh, in the works for him.
2: Well, Cuervo's trying to blame it on me right now, Trey. He said he didn't get an invite, but I know I invited him. So He's lying, man. Cuervo, if you're out there listening, you did get an invite, man. Anything in
0: baseball you want to talk about? Opening day is only six days away.
2: Yeah, well, yeah, these are the real
0: opening day. We had the Australian opening day.
2: I'm an American man. I only pay attention to American opening day. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll have to uh, let's let's do a, let's do a preview show here soon. Talk about our previews. Well, if anybody wants to join in Wednesday night, we'd love to have you. At 8.30 p.m. Eastern, we're going to preview this Sweet 16. And, and, Trey, it's not going to be too much longer than we start talking college football. Spring practice has begun. Auburn is getting ready to to rematch Florida State for that national championship. What are the odds those two meet again?
0: Well, I mean, uh, there's always a chance. But meeting again is pretty, pretty pretty far off. I mean, I don't think that's going to happen. But, um, yeah, you ever know, you never know.
2: You never know. But, I mean, I look at Auburn this year, and, and the difference is, I think, for them, Trey, they don't have to start from scratch physically anymore in the weight room. So they got their weight training in. They'll have the whole summer to do that. But how hard is it as a player if you're coming in, you have a whole new defensive system to learn, you have a whole new offensive system to learn, how long does it really take you to, to feel comfortable in that system?
0: Well, I mean, I, I think it's going to take a full season, so we should see some improvement of, uh, of some players playing in that you know that system over a year. Um, you know, but then again, it gives people time to to watch it as well. So there's going to be a back and forth in that one for sure.
2: Well, I want to I want to grab Paul on real quick. He doesn't know he's coming on, but Paul, anything you want to add about
1: March Madness
2: before we get out of here, buddy? <sighs>
1: I didn't, I didn't hear y'all. Uh, Brian, you may have mentioned it, but I've been real impressed with Michigan. They've looked they've yeah. looked real good to me. They've always answered whenever a task was put in front of them, or if they got you know down or anything like that. I've got them in my Final Four, but just watching them, you know, against Texas, they just look they look real good. They look like they're healthy and they're ready for the march to the Final Four.
2: Well, Paul, call me crazy, call you crazy, but I have Michigan in the Final Four as well. I have three Big Ten teams in the Final Four. That's Michigan State, Wisconsin, and Michigan. I have just as much faith in Michigan as I do any team out there, Trey.
0: Yeah, I mean, Tarvin, you're talking about you know your your Final Four. I mean, my Final Two is a rematch of the Big Ten national, the Big Ten Championship game.
2: That wouldn't surprise me at all. And, and, Paul, what do you like about Michigan? I mean, what, what do you think about their coach and, and what do you think about their bench play right now? That's going to be key when we get this deep in the tournament.
1: Well, I've always liked their coach. I believe it's it Bayline, B-line, something like that.
2: Yeah, Jim B-line.
1: Yes. Okay, anyway. Yeah, he's a real good coach. He draws up real good plays. Uh, but one thing that I like about Michigan, and I believe you said it earlier – and I think is what's going to hurt Tennessee, is Tennessee has real, not very good uh, perimeter defense. And Michigan's strength is hitting the three. So I really think that's what's going to kill Tennessee in the end. Is, I mean, they just hit the three. It's unreal.
0: Uh-huh. I think you said earlier in
1: the show that you turn around and they hit a three, and like 15 seconds later it's another one. Yeah, and Tennessee, I
2: don't think Tennessee can score enough to, to keep up with those guys. And Tennessee's been hot lately, but you have to have great guard play to beat
1: Michigan, and that's one thing Tennessee doesn't have, Paul. Oh, yeah, well, they're, well Tennessee's just, they're they're really good down low. You know, they're they're thick. You know, you, you really can't drive in on them. And that's why I said they're perimeter D, like guard play. Yeah, I mean, they lack the defense on the outside. And Michigan well, is... Well,
2: Paul, your Florida Gators right now. You know, they, they answered it yesterday, that, that tough matchup with Pittsburgh. That was nothing to sneeze at, really. Florida handled it, then they, they advanced on. Tell us about your Florida Gators real quick before we go.
1: Well, I was a little bit uh, frazzled, is what, is what our coach used in the first game. Didn't look very – wasn't very happy with it, and then – I was worried about the matchup with Pittsburgh after watching their first round game. You know, I did not expect, you know, for them to come out and hold them to 45 points like that. But one thing I've noticed about us so far, and what, you know, what we've been mentioning tonight, is the guard play is looking good. Scotty Wilkin, as always, as far as defense goes. I'm a little upset and kind of scratching my head wondering where Michael Frazier is at. You know, in that win against Pittsburgh, I think we went five for 21 from three-point land. You know, and that's not going to work against UCLA because UCLA is pretty hot right now. But well, uh, the Paul, defense look is looking at, good. I, look at Florida. I think Florida-UCLA game Paul, is going to be Florida. a good
2: matchup. I'm sorry, Florida is kind of cold right now. It looks like, and you know, when you're winning games and advancing, you know it's just a matter of time before they they put it into that next gear. That's one thing I'm excited to see. I think they're ready to make that run. I think they could have got through the first couple with their eyes closed, but now I think you're going to start seeing them heat up and, and turn that defensive intensity up because that's one thing I like about Florida, the way they play defense. And they can beat anybody, even when they're cold, because of, of the way they play. And I just think Florida's going to get hotter and hotter as it goes on. I mean, I think they're in the final four, and it's, it's not even a doubt in my mind.
1: I know, I've, <laughs> I've been watching three straight years of Elite Eights, and I'm hoping for a Final Four. Yeah, you, you know they have to make it,
2: Trey. I mean, you, you know, after making three in a row like that, they have to make it with this senior class they have. If they don't make it this year, it might be a couple more years before they get a chance to,
0: Trey. Well, I mean, there's that, and then there's the issue of. I mean, this they've had some easy bracket runs the last couple years to Elite Eight, but Tarver, I mean, this one sets up. At least to the Final Four, where they shouldn't have a whole lot of issue getting there. So, and their first big game may be against you know the Michigan State, you know that matchup. So, you know for Florida, the time is now.
1: Well, Paul,
2: um, Kentucky, you know I've been preaching on them all year. What do you think about Kentucky? They gained a lot of confidence last week against Florida. They played well in the SEC tournament. Now they beat the number one seed, Wichita State. What do you think about them against Louisville? Do you think they have what it takes?
1: Obviously, they have the talent. Um, one thing I do want to bring up, and it's not that I'm disagreeing with what a lot of people say, and I don't get it. You know, people try to say Coach Cal isn't a very good coach, but he's a great recruiter. I don't know if y'all have watched him on the sidelines a lot, but he's an excellent coach. I mean, if you ever watch his emotions um, when these kids don't listen to him or they're not executing it properly, you know, in the way he—I don't know if you caught it during the SEC tournament. But Coach Cal walked out to the midcourt and had his hands on his hips, and all five of his kids just walked right past him. They didn't even look at him, didn't even stop to hear what he was talking about. So they know when they're messing up. But on to your question, I'm very impressed with the Harrison twins. They have stepped up their game immensely. I believe they probably have the scouts watching them more closely now. They have the game of their lives today, pretty much. And they have the talent to make the run. It's just whether they want to play together or not, or they want to be selfish. I
2: honestly think Calipari is one of the top coaches in the country, and, and you're right, you see him on the sideline. It takes a special coach to coach a team with that much talent and and to get them to work together to execute. And, Trey, we saw them preseason number one. They were put there to set up to fail. You know it as well as I do. But he's built these guys, I mean they broke he's broken them all the way down to nothing, and now he's built them up to where these guys believe they play together, and now they have confidence i mean it's it's gonna be hard to stop these guys. I think Calipari is one of the best in the business. some people call him a used car salesman trait, but he knows his ex is the nose too
0: yeah, and I was not saying he's a bad coach; I'm just saying that I think he's a better recruiter than the, the coach uh i and I do believe that. I think he's a phenomenal recruiter. I think he's a good coach, but I don't know if he's up in the elite top three type area. Tarvin, that's what I'm saying. I agree with that. Yeah. yeah, I mean,
2: I mean, you have to be able to coach these guys. I like the way. One thing about Calipari Paul is every play he's coaching. It doesn't matter if he's he hasn't been up by much this year, but no matter what the situation is, his team's down by 20 with three minutes left. He's still coaching him. You know, he's still fighting and teaching them, so I think it's finally paid off. They're finally starting to do it Coach Cal's way, and, and it's it's going to help them having a few days off to rest now and actually prepare. They've, they've already beaten Louisville once, and it's going to be interesting to see some great matchups this weekend. Paul, who, who are you looking
1: forward to the most out of these Sweet 16 matchups coming up? I mean, other than obviously the obvious of Florida and UCLA, but I mean, obviously Kentucky and Louisville, that's going to be fun. Louisville's all—they're a head scratcher for me because you know, it just seems like they don't want to play until it's at the end of the game, and then all of a sudden they start hitting, you know, threes <laughs> back and forth and stuff like that. But just looking at the bracket here, I'm hoping to see a—I uh, want to see that with something Baylor matchup. I think yeah. that's going to be fun. And uh, yeah, I like Kentucky Louisville too with that. Baylor, Iowa State, Baylor, Wisconsin. UConn. That's the one that I want to see. Iowa State and UConn. I think that one's going to be a Because heads- what UConn team shows up? You know, is it the one that's on fire now? Or do they fall into that little Sweet 16 lull and Iowa State comes out and just beats them? You know. uh, that's, like-
2: that's an interesting one. That's interesting. Trey, who do you like in that game? Well, Baylor another three. Baylor's up twenty eight Trey right now, just for ten minutes left in the game. They are skull dragging Creighton right now. I mean, this Baylor team is phenomenal. I just had to throw that in. UConn, Iowa yeah. State, who do you like?
0: You know, I you know, I'm looking looking at the the break and I'm wondering which team is gonna come out, you know, with Iowa State with that injury. Do they get better. Do they? Do they have that ball now. They have to realize where they are without without one of their better players, or does Kevin Alley keep UConn going? I think UConn probably hit their point. I, I, I probably take Iowa State. Paul said it right. The the
2: Sweet Sixteen wall really. Some of these teams that, that that surprise people. They they come in. They they win a couple of games, and it's like they they're satisfied now. And and I think in order to win these games, you have to keep. Fighting, and I look at Baylor right now, six seed. I don't see any signs of them cooling off. They played this way all year. They're getting hotter now. Baylor is the team, and and Trey said it too that they can make the Final Four. Paul, do you do you agree with that?
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, Baylor's got their size. I can't remember the center's name, but he's you know hitting his peak right now, and they've got and they can shoot the ball. You know, they just score. Yeah. Well, they got to at least be averaging 80-plus points a game coming mm-hmm. into the tournament. <laughs> I'll say there, I want to say, there, there. after you're done, I'll say something. Go ahead.
2: Oh, no, go I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead. Michigan, anyway, I want to say.
1: They remind me of,
2: Paul, man, you need to listen, man, sometimes. Man, you're all over the place. Paul, you there? I am.
1: <laughs> go ahead, buddy. I am. Go ahead. I was just going to say that I wanted to point out to what some, like Charles Barkley said during a halftime show, the teams in the Sweet 16 that you need to watch out for that are probably going to be successful are the teams that don't have to change their style of play. They go into the game and they play, you know, their type of game. They don't change. And, you know, you've got teams that, you know, you've got to know who you are. That's what he's basically preached. You've got to know who you are at this point in the season. So those are the teams that you really need to watch out for.
2: Yeah, Baylor Baylor looks like Paul to me. They know who they are. They, they, they remind me of Michigan, but they seem more athletic than Michigan. You know, it just seems like they're faster a little bit, and these guys can play basketball. I'll, I'm impressed with them more than I am anyone in this tournament, even more than Kentucky, because I knew Kentucky could do it. You know, I expected them to with the talent, but, but Trey, is, is Baylor the team that, that's really impressed you more than anyone has so
0: far? Hell, hmm. more than anybody? (sighs) I don't know if it's more than anybody. I mean, mean, the way they're blowing out Creighton, um, man, it's impressive. There's no doubt about it. And and
2: they've been a good Nebraska team, Paul. I mean, Nebraska – very good team in the Big Ten that was underrated really, underappreciated. They they handedly beat those guys and they jump on you, and they don't quit. They're up thirty twenty eight points right now on Creighton. I mean Creighton's a, a well coached team, they play smart, but to beat somebody that bad at this stage of the game, Paul, you have to be you have to know who you are, like you
1: said, right? Absolutely. I mean Baylor, Baylor, Florida, Michigan. I do uh, Do you agree? I'd say those three are the only ones that pretty much seem to look like they know who they are. In my opinion, uh, Baylor, I, I, Michigan, well,
2: yeah, you know, I, I, I throw Wisconsin in there with you. Who? Wichita? No, with w- no w- the
1: Badgers. Wisconsin Badgers. Oh, Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah. Although I was a little, they scared, they they worried me a little bit because after the first round. I said, you know, they look like the strongest team right now. And in the second round, I was like, oh, man, I didn't expect this. But, yeah, they, Wisconsin definitely knows who they are, and they, they, they play their game. They um, They did it against Oregon.
2: Well, Paul, thanks for joining us tonight. Trey, great job as always. Wednesday night, 8.30 p.m. Eastern, we'll be here, and we'll go in-depth with all of these Sweet 16 matchups I'm excited about being able to break these games down, to have a few games, to, or a few days to do it. So, guys,
1: 8.30 Wednesday night, um, we'll see you then. I did Good have luck. one question for you. All right. I wanted to get your opinion and Trey's, if he has one. What do you think about the Falcons signing Devin Hester? Mm, I,
2: I saw that, but, Trey, I'll let you start. I don't really have much of an opinion on it. I, I mean, I think they're the kicking game really is, kind of trying to go away in the NFL.
0: What do you think, Trey? I mean, Doug Hester's a good kick returner. I don't know that he's anything else, so that's the problem. Uh, I don't know how much value he's going to give um, you know, to their offense in general. I mean, kick return game, that's not so sold on him, I guess. Okay, Paul, what do you think
2: about Hester going to the Falcons? can you hear me yeah i can hear you now
1: um obviously the kicking game i'd like to you know see how he does in a dome you know on turf now that you know not on open on grass but the main thing is you know the offense you know it it changed last year and i don't know but devin Hester, he might be a pretty good slot receiver we'll have to see you know dump it off to him or whatever but I just thought it would be – I just think it's, in, it's interesting because it's in a dome. You know, them fast guys, you know. they kind of—they kind of flourishing yeah. up on the turf.
2: Well, he, he was great in Chicago. Cuervo put in the chat room that he helped him pack his bags out of Chicago. But, I mean, Hester really helped them help Chicago out over the years. So, Cuervo, you got to have some kind of love for the guy. But, anyway, guys, we got to get out of here tonight. We'll see you Wednesday night. And – have a great week, Trey and Paul.
1: The ball is and there you. You're running for your life. You're a shooting star, and all the years, no one knows just how hard you work, But now it's shows in one shining moment. In